work it just a little bit conditioned preference that we were told makes up a part of our identity and so we became associated with those things as a form of our identity we started to accept the perception of others as the perception of ourselves. welcome to the reclaiming purpose podcast with me your girl your hostess with the mostest and the founder of you are into it dana lisa Join me weekly here for wisdom drops on all things intuition. My methodology is the D3 method, and it teaches you how to discover your own joy GPS and reclaim your intuition, then decondition old people-pleasing or analysis paralysis so that you can transform on a belief level in your unconscious mind, and lastly, how to take deliberate aligned action and find liberation and fulfillment in all aspects of your life, including relationships, love, money, and career. My process uses a blend of human design, neuro-linguistic programming, and my own intuitive gifts to help you in reclaiming purpose in your life. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Reclaiming Purpose. Before I jump into the juice of today's episode, I wanted to mention a couple of exciting updates. I am really craving community right now, and I've really been craving community with healers where we're in reciprocal leadership. And that's really the foundation of everything that I've been doing as of late. And I've talked about that a lot in my content and how I see us shifting towards this place where there's no longer this kind of guru hierarchical structure as we dissolve hierarchies and patriarchies in general as a collective all over the world. We're being asked to step into new paradigms around leadership and how we lead and reciprocal leadership where everyone is giving and everyone is receiving in mutual mutual guidance, mutual support, this beautiful network of humans who all has each other's back is where I see us going. And I believe that's in business as well. And I believe actually the entrepreneurs and the visionaries who have their own businesses are really going to be leading that charge because we're in a place to do so. And so I have set up my business model in that way, even inside of the way mastermind our calls, our reciprocal leadership calls, our weekly mastermind calls, everyone comes and we round table together with myself, as well as all of the, you are into it ambassadors and the members of the way in order to create this space where you can be seen and held by many different perspectives. And you can find the ones that are in resonance with you based on what you're going through right now, because I am, I'm not the end all be all. I don't know everything. And I, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm on a pedestal for anyone. I want to be able to see people in their power and in their humility simultaneously, and I wish to be seen the same way. And so that's really been the focus of these spaces that I've been creating. While I've been doing that, I've been having these ideas for what I really wish that I had at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey I mean, honestly, not even just speaking of my entrepreneurial journey, but throughout so many times during my spiritual awakening, I wish that I had had just a space of healers, of guides, where no one was like trying to sell themselves or 
you know, come across as knowing more than another, but just this place where we could all be seen and all tap in and kind of give our collective energetic reads on what's going on for ourselves individually, as well as what we see happening mirrored within that collectively for everyone else as well. And in terms of current events and all around the world and in our own, you know, small pockets of communities in order to create a safe healing space where we all got to show up in mutual reciprocal leadership and sisterhood and community. And that has been the premise of this new space that I'm creating called The Circle. And The Circle is going to be a low-cost monthly membership where I'm going to come in and give energetic reads and energetic updates weekly as well as we're going to have monthly circles where we come together and we hold space for one another and go on a meditative journey as a group in order to really keep ourselves intentional and accountable to the work that it is that we're doing and to our own self and our own journey and our healing and making sure that we're like checking in and really making sure we're in integrity with ourselves in a group of people who are on that same embodiment journey. So the circle is going to be $44 a month. I haven't announced this yet anywhere else. So if this is something that you are like, oh my gosh, yes, like I'm ready. It's going to be come and join for as long as you want. There's no commitment to 12 months or anything of the sort. I want you to be invested, um, you know, in terms of your energy, your time and your money, but in a way that allows you to have fluidity in the space and, I'm excited about it. So if that sounds exciting to you, send me a message on Instagram at you are into it and I will get you signed up. I haven't, like I said, announced this anywhere else. It's the idea that's just coming to fruition. And today I'm going to a really secluded beach here in Bali with some beautiful uh, local sisters and we're going to be having a really fun playful photo shoot out in the wilderness and i'm really looking forward to that and it felt like the perfect day to announce this because that was so in alignment with the vision that i have for the circle and it just was too divine synchronicity as i was going to be recording this episode to not bring it to light yeah i'm really excited And I have been thinking so much recently about identity, and it's been something that's come up again and again inside of my, my own, my own group of friends, my close relationships. There's been this theme of identity and kind of going back to the core esoteric question of who am I? And I am writing a book at the moment. And I wrote a little bit of a snippet today that I want to share with you guys. So I'm just going to pull it up here. And this snippet is personal identity is something we not only seek throughout our life, but wish to share with another. We desire to be close to those who understand, who have similar nuances in their identity, who can speak in our emotional language about shared experiences. And the seeking leads to powerful questions such as, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man, to be transgender, to be non-binary, to be an immigrant, to be Aboriginal, to be black, to be white, to be a citizen of a specific country? And ultimately, 
these questions are taking us to the same deep-seated desire to know, who am I? We live in a world that is obsessed with individualism and standing out. We battle with societal conditioning to be more in some capacity, more interesting, more intelligent, more beautiful, more weird, more different, while also being biologically wired to crave community and belonging. And this has led us to a continuous obsession with labeling ourselves with new identifiers that leave us temporarily feeling like we're a part of something. We often even fear being labeled as other identifiers outside of the things that we've chosen specifically identify us. And we're worried people won't be able to see the truth of who we are in our words, in our energy, in our self-expression and our actions. It can feel like a personal offense even when we are misinterpreted, particularly when we're not being a pure expression of our soul, but rather living a facade in hopes of fitting in to culture in some way. And what I've found is the simple cure for this never-ending quest for labels that align with us is to let them all go entirely, to really drop away any and all the things that we are attached to because they make us unique in some way. Who are we when we are stripped bare? Who are we at our essence? Without money, without friends, without followers, without social media, without a job, without a title, without certifications, without fashion, without any and all labels. So I am posing this to you when you're stripped back entirely. And if you were to let go of even your personal identifiers around who you are when it comes to the work that you're here to do in this world, this was a really big one for me and one that's come up with a very close friend of mine a lot recently as well, where it's like, if I'm not a healer, if I'm not a shaman, if I'm not a, if I'm not a, an entrepreneur, if I'm not a, if I'm not all of these things, if I'm not my bio on Instagram, for example, which I've felt the struggle for some people throughout my life to write themselves in a succinct way to encompass who we are as a multifaceted, multidimensional being. And we try to put this label on ourselves of, I am a social marketing, media marketing strategist, or I am a healer, or I am a shaman, or I am a what, whatever it is. And there are specific ones that we have more of an attachment to than others. There's this really beautiful book by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., who is the son of the author of The Four Agreements. And this book is called The Five Levels of Attachment. And in this book, he really talks about how we become so attached to things outside of ourselves as a form of our own identity that we begin to associate who we are with those things outside of ourselves, which isn't the truth. Who we are is all inside of ourselves. And he uses a really good example in there and breaks it down talking about 
the five levels of attachment in association with sports, <laughs> which is a great analogy. And all of us, I'm sure, have either been or have known a sports fanatic at some point in our life. And you know that there are levels of attachment that people form to specific teams or a specific sport in general. And there's like the highest level of attachment, which is like, I don't even associate with someone who doesn't have the same identity. Like I would never even talk to someone who likes another sports team because they're like, I identify them as like my enemy. They're my competition. And I like have loathing even for people who identify differently than me. And then there's like a step down from that where you would go to the game and if your team lost, you would still take it really personally, but you you have friends and family who don't agree with your opinion and who are, you know, maybe fans of the opposing sports team. And then there's like the middle where we have that personal identity and it's something that we associate with ourselves. Like if someone was to ask us, like, who are you? You might say like, I'm a Cubs fan or I'm a whatever fan. Like that's something you use as a personal identifier. And then there's like the level two, which is like, oh, well, I can actually go to the game and I have, you know, I want this team to win, but if they don't, I don't take it personally. I don't make it mean anything. Either way, it was a good game. And then there's the lowest level of attachment where, you know, you just could go and you don't even know what sport it is or what teams are playing, but you could go and you could really enjoy that game regardless because of the energy of the stadium, because of the entertainment of a sport in general, because of the energy of the players, you could just go and you could show up and there's no personal attachment to the outcome of the game or who's going to win or any of that. You're just there enjoying because it's the energy and it's fun for you, regardless of what the outcome is. And we actually live in a society that really pushes our association and personal identification with things outside of ourselves. Because, I mean, what better marketing tactic is there out there (laughs) than to make you believe that you aren't who you are unless you own that t-shirt. You aren't a good, you know, you aren't a good sports fan unless you go to every game and unless you have the season tickets and unless you et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure you can think of other examples of this, like being a Starbucks coffee drinker, for example. Like there's people who are so associated with being a Starbucks coffee drinker that they wouldn't even go to any other coffee shop. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even dare step foot in a Dunkin' Donuts or in a, in a Tim Hortons or if you're Canadian <laughs> or any of the these other places. They're like, no, like they've got the Starbucks to-go mug. They only drink Starbucks coffee. They've got the bag of Starbucks coffee at home. They argue with their friends about like, no other coffee is gross. Like, I don't know how you drink it, right? We all can think of people like this who have these really strong attachments and associations in terms of their identity with these things outside of themselves, and they'll defend it to the death, right? They're not even open or receptive to hear an alternate opinion. And because of this, they actually close off entirely. They're very closed-minded in certain areas of their life to alternate opinion, to alternate solution. They're not even interested in trying new things because they've decided that who they are 
is associated with these things outside themselves. And whether we like to admit it or not, we all have this. We all have these things that have been conditioned into us and we have been taught are our preferences, right? Which there's nothing wrong with having a preference. That's like a level three attachment. Like, okay, I'm at the soccer game and I want this team to win, but if they don't, it's fine. But there's a lot of things that have been taught are our preferences and we've been told that because it's a preference, it's part of who we are. And this is something as simple as like a personality trait. Like for example, when we're young, oftentimes, like let's say you were uh, you were told you were a shy kid. So maybe your preference was to be alone. Maybe your preference wasn't to speak unless you had something to say. Maybe your preference was to sit in the corner of the classroom because that's where you felt the most comfortable when you could see everyone. Maybe your preference was to play alone when you went outside because you really enjoyed having that space and that downtime after being in a classroom all day. And maybe what you heard your entire childhood was, oh, he or she's just shy. They're just shy. Oh, they just, you know, they're really shy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they don't want to give you a hug because they're just really shy, right? And you heard your parents explain away this behavior that isn't socially acceptable as a particular personality attribute. And so when you were a kid between the ages of zero and seven and you had just this walking, talking, unconscious mind that just took everything as fact and at face value, You might have decided, oh, I guess I'm shy. And you internalized that as part of your identity and it became a part of who you are. And then you grew up and you just lived out the expectation of what a shy person does in any given situation, even though that may at some point not have been your preference. But because you became that person, you chose for that to be a personal identifier for you. And we all have these, whether we, like I said, care to admit it or not, all of us definitely have some of this conditioned preference that we were told makes up a part of our identity. And so we became associated with those things as a form of our identity. We started to accept the perception of others as the perception of ourself. And I want to have this conversation because I believe in the undoing of all of these associations with our identity. And when we start to strip back, when we start to actually let go of the things outside of ourselves that we've always identified as a component of who we are, we start to really discover the truth of who we are. And it requires a little bit of vulnerability and nakedness and a willing to let go of all of the things that we're so attached to. So for example, one that's so good and so painful and one that I had such an association with is I was always like, I'm the six-figure business owner. I've always been the six-figure business owner. Like, Once I scaled my business to that, because it was such a goal of mine, a goal that I was so attached to, once I did it, it was like part of my identity. I used to talk about it all the time. I used to talk about it in my marketing. I used to talk about it to my friends. I used to talk about it when I met people like, yeah, yeah, I scaled to this, but like, here's where I'm going. And it would be this like thing 
that was this almost barrier of to entry to people knowing the truth of who I really was because I would use it as a tool to center myself around because I believed that it made me appear successful to the outside world. And God in the universe has a really powerful way of bringing us back to the truth of who we are when we get really far off track. And if we're not willing to be self-aware enough to realize when we're doing this on our own, oftentimes the things that we have a really strong identity association with will be taken away from us. And they'll be taken away from us so that we can get back on mission, so that we can remember the truth of who we are without all of these things, because none of these things and having these things or being these things that are outside of ourselves have anything to do with what we're here to do. I had this really great conversation with my friend last night where we were texting back and forth and I was just saying, you know, like, it's almost like going back to that number one big esoteric question of like, who am I? And there's really only one true answer to this. And that true answer is I am love. And when we remember that, when we remember that truth, we then get to ask ourselves more potent questions like, how do I want to be an expression of love today? How do I choose to be an expression of love in this moment? And this question gets us so much more aligned with our purpose and with the truth of who we are because the way that you express love as a unique multifaceted nuanced human individual is going to be so different than the way that i express love and it's also going to evolve and change over time and this allows us to get away from these attachments of who do i think i am or who do i want to be seen as or who do i want to be perceived as by others And we allow ourselves to be fluid in our approach to life. And we allow ourselves in one moment to say, no, this is my boundary now. Oh, but look, that boundary has changed because I now have new information and because my expression of love is different today. And we stop being so rigid in our approach that we close ourselves off to the new information that allows us to expand, that allows us to step into the real truth of who we are and allows us to become the version of ourselves that we are becoming and evolving into. I love you all so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day wherever you are in the world and I will talk to you so soon. All right, Intuits, that's all for this week, but I will catch you here on Reclaiming Purpose next week. And if you want more of this type of content, you can go check out the offers on youareintuit.com. The link is in the show notes. And for a chance to win a one-year subscription to all of our workshops and programs, go ahead and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can enter you into our quarterly draw. I will talk to you guys so soon and have an amazing rest of your day wherever you are in the world.